Did you hit the right button? Chaos is all around us. It's in our minds. It's in our spaces. Melissa is a hopeful who simplifies organizing. Angel is a curious idealist who clarifies complexities. Together, we take on the mental overwhelm and cluttered spaces to spark conversations that lead to clearing chaos. <laughs> and we're back for another episode of Clearing Chaos. What are we, what, what chaos are we clearing today, Melissa? Being vulnerable. The who, what's, and when's, and share. Because sometimes it's hard to decide who you actually want to see all your colors and be vulnerable with and have hard conversations with. And then other times you're like, no, here's my boundary. You don't get it. Let's define vulnerability. Let's start with that. That's a good start. Let's start there. Let's start there. What is vulnerability? What is that word? The quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. So we're super quiet because none of us want to be emotionally vulnerable because feelings are hard. No. Well, I don't want to be physically vulnerable either. Like, you don't see me hanging out in dark parking garages ever. That's fair. Thank, thank you, first of all, Brene Brown, for being such a leader in this space and for bringing all of these conversations to light, because I think the work that she's doing is incredible. Uh, at the same time, I think it is so easy for people to take that work and kind of skew it into maybe something that it's not. But one of the biggest things that I see with vulnerability is people applying it to the idea of to be vulnerable, I have to share all this crappy stuff that I've been through. And openly with everyone. All the time. Uh, and it might just be, maybe it's our generation or our mindset or our awareness of self, but I don't feel that every space I'm in needs to know all my shit. I think there there has to be some sort of filter and not a filter of, not a filter of, I'm not going to say this because I don't want to be judged, but a filter of what can I say that would add value in the context that I'm in? If I'm in a room working on a big project and I'm building relationships with, you know, new people on that project team that I've never worked with before, why am I going to talk about some horrible experience that happened when I was a kid? I'm like, oh my gosh. So when I got my last squirrel, but it's happening because it was completely being vulnerable. When I got my last tattoo, the artist was pregnant. And uh, she was completely upfront about it. I was like, we'll take breaks when you need breaks because I've been there. But when we, we were taking a break and the artist next to her, the artist in the booth next to her was like, you know, you are the first person that did not respond with your your horse story from labor. And I'm like, why, why would I do that? Why would I? But he's like, yeah, it, it made all the difference. She's now having a good day because you didn't have to share that. And I think that feeds right into it. Just because I have the story, why would I Why would I put that weight on somebody else? So if you're in a room that, read the room. Right? Read the room. Here's my childhood trauma story doesn't fit in the room. And you, if you really feel like you need to share that, well, see a shrink or a therapist or find, find, a friend, but yeah, that's, I swirled hard there, but in the same concept, it's, 
I have stories about being a mom and being, you know, childbirth and labor and hearing a falling wall inside your belly. But I don't think every opportunity is the right space to share that vulnerable story. I'm back down, reeling it back in. Well, it was, it was a relevant point to make. Um, because I think the point here is that context matters and being vulnerable doesn't necessarily mean just sharing your traumas. Like it says being exposed with the possibility of being attacked or harmed uh, physically or emotionally. And I think that that could apply to being open in a way that's genuine and authentic requires vulnerability. And I think that that's, I, that's kind of my takeaway from the work that Brene Brown does um, because it's not to be your whole self, to be your full, all like the full you and bring the full you into every situation doesn't mean just your negative experiences because we're more than the ne negative experiences we've been through. They're a part of us. We're not going to pretend that those parts of us don't exist, but that's not all we are. Yeah. Yeah, there's layers. As you say, we're onions. We're onions. But there's layers. Like, the, I think the trauma or the challenging, challenging words, challenging parts of life are, and I cannot remember who says it, but somebody says it's those parts of our life stories that make us move on to the next chapter that make us keep reading because nobody wants to read a book that's like happy and oh well they didn't you know they didn't experience life or challenges or toxic crap ever at all that's nice sprinkle out with some more glitter and move on where if you have the ugly parts whether you're judging yourself you're sitting in judgment of someone else or you're just reading the hard parts wrong that's the that's what that's the page turner and I think you have to be vulnerable to have the page turning moments of your own life story. Mm -hmm. That's going to go in our book. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh, I'm how, do you, how do you determine who you want to read your book? That's a hard part for me. I don't know that it's about determining who I want to read the book it's more so about at what points in my interactions is my book relevant like right now we're having a conversation around vulnerability obviously Brene Brown is very relevant and so bringing some quotes in from Daring Greatly is something that would add value I'm not going to pick up a change by John Cotter why am I going to pick up my book and turn to a page and start talking about it when it's not a part of the the context or it's not relevant in the conversation that I'm in. It's about bringing in pieces of myself, bringing my full authentic self to the situation and referencing back to pages as they're relevant based off of the context that I'm in. And honestly, if I'm, if there are people that I don't feel like my story is going to bring value to because of who they are, um, they're probably not somebody that I'm really interacting with very much. So what if it is someone that, that you're comfortable with being vulnerable with, right? So, so you and I are fairly comfortable about open conversations, 
But do you ever find yourself, I don't know, I'm going to say self-blocking in a loose concept, but do you ever block yourself from having vulnerable conversations, even with the right people, because you don't know how to, or you don't have the words to, or you just don't want to, like, this is not the moment, even though you might be the people and it might be something I need to be open and have a conversation about, but I'm going to block myself from having the conversation because it's too hard. Do you ever... Do you ever have those moments? In situations where there's something that I could share and be vulnerable about or that I need to share, like if it's if it's like a true need, like I need to get this out of me, m- my brain and mouth aren't built to hold that back. <laughs> so it tends to just word vomit out. So my challenge, I think, has been kind of the opposite over the years, has been reeling myself in and, like, trying to find that balance of how much do I share in a way that's valuable to the relationship or in, like, maybe it's a situation where it's something that I need to talk about because I need to work through this thing, whatever it is. Setting setting the context of I... I'm I'm in a difficult situation and need somebody to talk to. Would it be okay if you're that person? Maybe it's just straight out asking and getting the permission can build the comfort in talking about it. I'm the opposite way. Like you like I can't control what my face says, but it takes a lot of intentional thoughts. To actually say what I'm thinking. Maybe that's okay sometimes. If you aren't sure what to say or how to say it, my go-to is ask a question. Maybe it's a question of yourself or maybe it's a question of the other person. But in that situation, if I feel like there's something that I want to say or if there's something I need to say but I don't want to say it or don't feel comfortable saying it, then I kind of ask myself the question, why don't I feel comfortable saying it? What's holding me back in this situation? Because I think if you kind of root cause that, then you might, it might lead to different insights to maybe, maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's not the right person. If there's a reason that you feel yourself holding that back, then I feel like kind of working through that to figure out the why behind it could lead to better insights and progress, maybe. Definitely. I like that. I like the idea of, of asking a question to start the movement. And then if it moves, then I like, I like that. (laughs) It's a good, it's just a good general rule for a lot of situations. There's a reason that maybe, maybe, uh, Brene Brown will do it for vulnerability and Dr. Kristen will do it for empathy and I'll do it for curiosity. Um, because I've, I've mentioned this before. Curiosity, I feel, is the solution to all the world's problems. We talk sometimes when we should be asking questions, or we jump to solutions when we should be asking questions. We yeah. try to find the answers, or try to give the answers, or try to be the answers when we haven't asked the right questions, or we haven't asked enough questions in way too many situations. So, a general rule that I try to live by is if I'm not sure what to say, ask a question. It works in sales. It works in leadership. It works in communication. It works in organizing. 
It works in organizing. Mm-hmm. I need to practice it more in organizing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it's why why isn't this system working? Mm-hmm. Why does the peanut butter end up back on the countertop? Okay, well, let's ask a question of how did it get there? I don't know. I mean, those whys, that's really where, that's why is where it starts. It starts with why? Is that what you're saying? Kind of. Everything comes back to Simon Sinek. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Eventually, we might have a conversation where Simon doesn't come up, but it's not likely. Um, <laughs> because there's so much that he has to say that's so valuable. And there's a lot of, I, there's some really good conversations between him and Brene Brown um, that are super valuable, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Well, she's got a quote. What was the quote we were talking? We were talking about a quote earlier about just showing up. We said something about sometimes the bravest and most important things you can do is just show up. I feel like just showing up is the start. Just asking why is the start. And then falling down the tunnel of being vulnerable and ugly crying is just part of it. Ugly crying and open, freeing laughter is a part of that too. Um, I, I think there's a there's a certain vulnerability that comes that comes along with being completely open and present in good moments too. Um, Again, so much of vulnerability is tied to trauma and negative experiences, but at the same time, like, it takes some vulnerability to be able to really enjoy a situation that you're in or be in a moment with the people that you care about to let yourself be free to let go of some of the negative feelings or the worry or the to-do lists to let go of all that and just be present in the moment and enjoy, like, feel that true joy in that, in, in that moment with people. Yeah. So how do you, how do you assess this? Like, I know for me personally, if I feel an energy from a person or in a room that's like draining or toxic, I limit my time in that space. Whether I'm listening to a conversation or actually physically in a room with somebody, I'm like, and I need to go to the bathroom, text my friend, text me in five minutes and it's an emergency because I got to get out of this space. But how do you... Be open to that person's vulnerability, but also keep your boundary and your own mental wellness in in the right place. You know what I mean? I think it's hardest when it's somebody that you really care about that tends to lean towards the that negative headspace. I had a friend when I was in high school and early college, and she she was always in that negative headspace. She was always looking for things to be wrong and there are awful things about the world but there are also really good things about the world and you find what you look for if you spend time looking for like i'm not gonna google the word politics (laughs) i'm just i'm just not i don't i don't need that in in my life um because there's so much negativity and separation and stuff in that i'm not gonna I'm not going to Google, I'm not going to go on onto news websites and look up, like, how many people got shot for no reason? Like, I know what happens. I'm aware of it. 
going down the rabbit hole of the specific situations where it's happening, what value is that going to bring to my life right now? How is that going to help me move the needle on my skills or my own growth? How is that going to bring joy into my life or teach me something? Or So I think the same, maybe it's the same with those people is if you're not sure what to say, ask a question. So ask them what's going right. You can try that. Um, with some people, some some questions for redirection I've noticed can be helpful. With others, there's not much you can do other than limiting your time with them, which sucks if it's somebody that you really care about and that you really love because how do you distance yourself from somebody that you care about that much? And do you tell them? Like, are you vulnerable? Like, I know for me, sometimes it's difficult to be like, I love you, but you're draining. You are putting too much. I'm going to, I love you, but I'm going to choke you at the same time and not in a fun fashion in a you're draining the little amount of energy I had without coffee. And so, I, th I mean, I think that's really a test of the strength of a relationship that you worked on building is being well, able to say that. And this goes back to what we were talking about before, too. Like, where do you draw the line with empathy? How much can you sit in the suck of somebody else? And the strength of your relationship kind of determines how much you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes me think of that other thing you said earlier. Hold on. Because you said it's about, like, fitting in where you belong or belonging where you fit in or words are. Words are. Oh, I for a podcast <laughs> i've got it right here um it's another quote from daring greatly fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be in order to be accepted belonging on the other hand doesn't require us to change who we are it requires us to be who we are yeah i think that the relationships if if you knowingly care and have built a relationship with somebody that's where you belong, but you're open enough with that person and you, the core and the strength behind that connection, this is where I belong, but I'm going to be straight honest, friend. I don't have the space for you today because insert here where that is, that is a big difference of definition for me. It's like, I know I belong in some spaces and I know those spaces I belong in. Those people will be like, cool. Why are you being such a bitch? But I appreciate you being honest about it versus I'm trying to fit in. So I'm going to just alter and say what I think you might be accepting of. I love, I love, I think that's one of my favorite quotes that we talked about today. Because building that relationships, that's where I belong. That's, that's where you get my effort. And if you're not, if you're not doing that, if you're not being who you are, being your authentic self in those situations, then you're not really fitting in. You're not really belonging. I mean, you're maybe fitting in in a temporary aspect because I think you can only keep up a fake persona or a fake existence for so long. I think eventually the truth about who you are and how you interact is going to come out. Um, it's exhausting trying to be somebody else and trying to tell people what they want to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I hate that quote, fake it till you make it. No. Right. Well, and so that that kind of goes into the other thing. Those, If you are one of those people who's in one of those negative headspaces, are you going to try to try to be positive because it's what the other person wants to hear that you care about? So that, you know, it gives me empathy for those people who are in a negative headspace. Like if I'm that person, I don't want them to try to be fake positive because they think that that's what I want to hear because I'm the Chuck Norris positivity, according to my brother. <laughs> I don't want fake positivity. I want to help see the positive things that are there. Like fake positivity doesn't need to exist because there are so many good things in the world. And sometimes the bad outweighs the good in certain moments and that makes it hard but acknowledging that it's hard and thinking about how going through the situation could help you in the long run could be one positive way to look at a hard situation you said something about those people that they just always find the negative they always bring the ads to the space they always share their negative they always share the toxic they always well Okay, so I think there's two different versions of that. Um, actually, well, at least three, if not more, um, because you've got people who are stuck in a negative headspace because of brain chemical reasons. Like there's genuinely some sort of mental illness there um, or some sort of, you know, some sort of like major issue that needs like professional help. Great. Um, that's That's its own thing because... In that situation, like you need you need professional help. Yeah. If if I've got a broken leg, I'm not gonna try to positive it back. I'm not gonna positively think heal, like heal, heal. No, no, it doesn't work. And it's the same thing with our brain health and our like our mental health. I think we we look at it as something that we should be able to control, but we can't. Like if if you have a mental illness, you should get it taken care of. I shouldn't shut on people, but. By a professional, there's opportunities for you to seek the assistance that may actually professionally benefit you. If you're sick, go to a doctor. Yeah. Your brain is an organ, just like every other organ in your body. You you wouldn't think, oh, well, I'm going to make my leg be whole again. You, you can't do this. The, the same thing is, it's the same with your brain. Like, if, the, if it's something chemical... If you have some sort of mental illness, if that's something that you're struggling with, there is help there. There are doctors. There are people who spend years and years and years of their lives digging into the research, getting the education to be able to help. Mm -hmm. And they that's one to Brene Brown prior to going to get that help, so they know how to have the conversations to be vulnerable with a professional. Well, I, I think maybe sometimes people who are in that situation may not be looking to Brene Brown because they're too busy in the headspace and going further into the headspace. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that anybody's really figured out a good formula to crack that one yet, though. And I don't, I mean, it's not going to be a solution that fits. You have to be very aware of all things you to know how to find the correct path for growth. Yeah. Well, and even if you are, when you're in that space, it may feel like there's nothing that will help. So there's no point in trying anyway. Um, so that's, that's, I think that's another rabbit hole, another conversation. Um, <laughs> so that was one. The other two 
uh, the other two. Uh, so there's there's people. I think there's people who go down that negative space for attention mm. or reality. Who, the the ones who play the the trauma one up game, like oh you've been through this, I've been through something worse. Um, I think that's that's one thing, and then I think there's another side of it that's I think partially spawned off of Brene Brown's work, but doesn't really, in my opinion, reflect its the intent behind the work. Um, and that's this new birth of trauma porn. That's the word I was looking for, trauma porn. Right, where where people think people take the approach of like, I need to tell my whole story of everything horrible that I've ever been through. And that's vulnerability. Like that's how I'm defining vulnerability. And then I'm creating a business off of this to get other people to be vulnerable and then you end up with this like giant mess of people who are all just talking about the horrible stuff that they've been through and there's there's validity in talking about those things but context i feel like matters so much um i i don't want to go there's a there's a a friend of mine who was talking about how she went she used to go to this women's conference every year uh, and it was really good. There was always some kind of good learning involved. And then she went and like the whole theme of the converts had completely shifted into trauma porn, where it was all of these women getting up on the stage and just talking about the horrible crap that they'd been through. That seems like an unproductive environment. Yeah, well, she hasn't been back to that conference since then <laughs> because she's because she wanted to go to learn and like to connect, you know, to connect with people that you can learn from and, um, you know, build collaborationships with and and that kind of thing. Um, and I think there's a certain level of connection that can come from sharing your sharing your stories that way. Um, but I don't I don't see the value in creating a creating an environment where the whole core of the environment is just the awful stuff that you've been through and not building something or becoming a better person or um like talking about what you've learned from that scenario if it's applicable to the audience that you're speaking to who needs to learn the thing that you learned from whatever that experience was so the key part of the story that's can seem to be left out in situations like that or other traumatic dump rooms is okay well what's the next part okay we got the chapter of the trauma where's the part of the growth and the change and the pot of gold at the end of that rainbow going back to your page turner thing like that's it, it connects right into that right because Yes, page-turning books have some sort of challenge, some sort of um, piece of the story that was difficult or hard, but that's not the whole story. Just like the flowery sunshine part isn't the whole story. Just like every human is a mix of both. There are good things that happen. There are bad things that happen. And how we get through those things, the the journey of going through the challenge and then getting to the triumph, like that's what makes us turn the page. We don't, you know, if, if, if 
if it was just the negative parts or the hard parts that made it a page turner, when it gets to the hard part, we would stop turning the page, but we continue to turn the page because we're looking for what's next. We're looking for that triumph, that underdog story of redemption, the, the, the nerds battling back against the jocks, the, you know, like finding, finding that story of redemption through the challenge. Um, it's all interconnected and it's all a piece of it and focusing in on one individual piece separate from all the rest, I feel like kind of takes away from all of it. And I think all of that together, if you can bring your good pieces and your bad pieces all together into a situation, talking about the things that are relevant, that's where true vulnerability is. Yeah. Good and bad. Love that. I know personally, I hear vulnerability and I sometimes cringe because I feel like that's the ugly. I have to share the ugly parts and how you say it. It's like, it's good and bad. Like I have to share my vulnerability parts where I was truly full and happy and take all my joy, people. I think that's pretty great. I think we learn from those experiences too. We, it helps us learn like what, when we explore those times, it kind of goes back to like strength, the strengths-based approach or, um, or if, if you look at the structure for how you find your why under Simon Sinek, I'll mention him again. Um, if you look for this, look at the structure for that though, it's, it's about exploring deeper into not just those stories where you've been through something difficult and why it was difficult for you, but also exploring those stories where you felt like you were at your natural best, those stories where you felt like you were as joyful as you can be and really examining what were the things that were going on? What were the things that you were doing that made them so great? Because then you can take that stuff and you can use it to take bad situations and make them better. So to simplify vulnerability for my brain, being vulnerable is the ugly cries and the guttural laughs of life and sharing it. Absolutely. I like it. I think we just wrapped another episode. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and we're done. See you next time. <laughs> Support the show at buymeacoffee.com slash clearing chaos 